Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. Our next presenter is Dr. Wes Daniels. He is the director of the Friends Center and Quaker Studies at Guilford College in Greensboro, North Carolina. His book, Resisting Empire, the Book of Revelation as Resistance, speaks to the reality that we are caught in the fray of cosmic conflict. We have healing work to do and we must take responsibility for the ways in which we have benefited from and been complicit with the religion of empire. Well, thank you, uh, Leanne for, and Luther Seminary for having us here. Lisa, thank you for your presentation. I wish I would have been able to take a class with you. You would have saved me a lot of hard work. Uh, you, you would have saved me a lot of the school of hard knocks when preaching. <laughs> uh, so I today um, I wanted to present on my book, Resisting Empire. And it really came about when I was, I was pastoring a small Quaker congregation in the Pacific Northwest a, a number of years ago. And I was, um, you know, sort of doing what what all preachers do and started to think about, okay, what's coming next? And uh, what is it that I would find some real life in and maybe some challenge? I'd recently taken a, a, class, a weekend seminar with Parker Palmer. As some of you I'm sure are familiar with Parker's work. And Parker talked about the things that he writes about are not the things that he feels like he's sort of understand or grappled with, but they're the things that baffle him, the things that keep him sort of uncomfortably awake at night. And so I kind of thought, oh, I just had, that's a really cool little tidbit of information. I'm going to apply that to like, what should I preach next? And as soon as I did that, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I take it back. I'm going to like preach on Luke, which is like my favorite gospel. But then I just knew I was like, no, a revelation if there's anything that baffles me, it's revelation. So that's really how I got started in this. Um, but uh, in the chat, if you're sharing um, stories of revelation, bad, bad revelation, I mean, it's not really that hard to come up with an example of a bad revelation sermon, is it? Uh, but other, like, what are your associations with revelation? What are things that come to mind for you when you think of the book of revelation? So what comes to, what are your associations there? Let's just sort of work on that for a second. What are associations and things that make it difficult to preach revelation? So I'll go on because um, I'm going to try to cover more than I have time for. Um, so as you all know, uh, I, I don't, I can't put it back to like one bad sermon about Revelation. I mean, I think in a way, you know, they weren't, none of them were that great. Um, but I certainly grew up in the moment when uh, we were experiencing Revelation as a cultural phenomena, like Christian pop culture phenomena, if you can, you know, remember, I'm sure I'm dating myself a little bit here, but, um, you know, lots of movies, all of the left behind books. Uh, you know, lots of breaking the code, learning certain numbers, that sort of stuff, right? So Revelation, even more than a lot of other books of the Bible, has a kind of like cultural sort of 
you know, connecting point, at least in the United States um, around it, uh, largely because of Left Behind, but there's certainly other, uh, other reasons for it. Um, and Revelation, I mean, it's, it's sort of history of, of, or sort of like it's bad impression goes a long way back and actually found that uh, Frederick Nietzsche considered Revelation to be the most rabid outburst of vindictiveness in all of recorded hist human history. So Nietzsche didn't really like Revelation all that much. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and rightfully so. It's hard to understand it. You know, the way that it has been preached is often about end times, predicting the end of the world. It's often when it's preached that way, it is very often me and my group are right and everybody else is wrong, and they're going to be going to hell, they're going to be facing judgment. So it's, it's constantly used as a kind of us and them sort of way of kind of framing things. Um, and so it does look like this sort of vindictiveness, or, or kind of like pre predicting the end times where only a certain few folks are going to, you know, get out and everybody else is going to pay the price. In fact, at the beginning of COVID, uh, there was a podcast uh, at the time called Rework, and uh, it was a podcast I listened to pretty regularly. I, I didn't know the hosts at all. I just listened as a fan. And uh, somehow they, I think um, Waylon Wong, who's one of the, the hosts, she must have, we must have followed each other on Twitter or something. Anyways, she uh, called, she sent me a, a, a DM in Twitter and she basically said, Okay, so like COVID is happening and it feels like the end of the world. And I know that you've been posting stuff about Revelation. So, and I, I wanted to have you on and see like, what do you say to people who are asking like, is it the end times? So this is of course like a fairly common question. I mean, right, as, as preachers, as theologians, people wanna know. And like, as soon as like a bunch of bad stuff happens all at once, that's where people's minds go. Okay, so I've already shared a little bit about my sort of how I got into this and sort of bafflement. Let me say something about the process um, for wrestling with Revelation. So, okay, I have this, this thought, okay, I need to preach on Revelation to my congregation. Um, you know, this is, this is sort of, I'm going to enter into this practice of holy bafflement. Um, and you know what instantaneously i'm like imagining everybody leaving the church <laughs> cuz i mean i was going to a church that for the most part were folks who'd sort of suffered through some really bad theology and kind of i mean me standing up and saying hey we're going to do revelation now would just be sort of you know spiritual ptsd for folks so i was really worried about people leaving literally really i mean i was like this is going to go horribly um I'm now I'm also grappling with my own background and the theology that I experienced growing up that was very challenging. Um, and so, you know, there's both of these processes going, how are my people going to respond? I have all my own baggage that I have to deal with in order to get out of and maybe kind of look at this in a fresh way. In the book, I talk about um, the a process of reading the Bible with empathy uh, I won't go into all of that here, but it's it's what it sounds like. It's essentially trying to put ourselves into the situation as much as we are able to imaginatively. 
um, and imagine, okay, who are these people who are hearing this for the first time? Um, and I've also sort of, you know, taking into account liberation theology um, and recognizing that the majority of the folks for whom, um, you know, who would be listening to this for the first time are themselves poor, are themselves uh, living under uh, the Roman Empire, so they are themselves oppressed um, and uh, know what it's like to be occupied by an empire. Um, you know, so so sort of taking in those sorts of uh, frameworks into account. Okay, well, what does that mean if this is this is written by uh, someone who has been imprisoned for what he's saying? And we know what he's saying because it's in the book of Revelation. It's very anti the Roman Empire. So, okay, well, it makes sense why he would be imprisoned by the Roman Empire. And he's writing to poor folks and victims of empire. Okay, so that kind of situates the text in a different way than maybe we generally situate it when we're reading it kind of from a middle class American empire perspective where we're actually benefiting from a lot of those things. Um, so I started basically I asked the question, okay, who else has, because I, I, I literally didn't know, were there other um, perspectives on this? Who has written about this before? What are people saying? Um, and of course, lots of other folks have come, have, have read Revelation in different ways. Elizabeth Schusler Fiorenza was a big um, uh, influence uh, she has an, a couple books, but one that I found very useful was Revelation for a Just World. Um, so that was a really good one. There's a number of other texts that have been written that were very helpful in a kind of liberation theology, anti-empire lens. So um, one of the things that I would recommend, if this is a, a, a direction you want to go and a, a tool that you can use, this is, I can sort of make this available. This is a little picture that I've drawn, but basically um, one of the things when I teach the book of Revelation to um, my college students now, this is the thing that we're doing. Um, one of the things that, or any biblical text to be honest with you, and I think this fits very nicely with what Lisa was sharing is getting folks to think about the lenses that they're reading the Bible, that we are reading the Bible with. So one, we want to think about what are our identities? What are the ways in which we show up in the world um, that are a part of how we see the world, how we experience the world, how the world sees and experiences us? So that is the first part that we want to do because one, being able to name that helps to understand how we might read the text in a way that isn't automatically what the text is bringing to us. And that also understanding that the text itself has multiple identities, has multiple experiences. And so we're trying to sort of read, you know, we're reading the text and the text is reading us with different lenses. Uh, thinking about what are our commitments? Um, what do I hold most essential? And how might that impact the ways in which I grab onto certain things in the text or, you know, gravitate towards. And then, of course, how does my community, my tradition inform how we read these things? We don't read these uh, texts in isolation. And in fact, even Revelation was a letter, not unlike the letter um, from King coming out of Birmingham prison 
going out into a community, mostly to middle-class white clergy in the South, right? And being read and wrestled with in that context. Revelation was very much the same way. It was being read. Um, most, most scholars believe that it, you know, it was a letter that was read in the midst of the worship gathering when they met. And then it would be passed on to the next community. Uh, it takes about an hour and 20 minutes to read it out loud. So that would have been their sermon. Okay. Um, so it's something that we're to grapple with as a community. Okay. So the big, the big punchline really, or kind of my main thesis for understanding Revelation is that it has nothing to do with predicting the end of the world. Revelation is not interested in predicting the end of the world. That is something that we've superimposed on it later. Um, John isn't pretending to write to his congregants, but actually writing to us. He's writing to his congregants the way that all, all pastors know. We, we speak and we write and we minister to the people we know. John is doing the same exact thing, and he's trying to help them, why sh- to, to Lisa's point, why should we care, how should we understand what is taking place now in our, in our life, in our context? Okay, so it's not about predicting the world, uh, the end of the world, and everything to do with how minority faith communities, which these communities were, how they survive and resist empire. So it's very much a sort of a, a handbook in terms of how early Christians were trying to survive and resist becoming sort of swallowed up or accommodating to empire, becoming cozy with empire, right? And we can certainly uh, probably identify with what it, that tension of where are we prophetic and where do we start to kind of get, we kind of get wooed in by the comforts that empire offers us. Revelation is dealing with that kind of uh, thing. Wes Howard Brook, who has a great book book on Revelation, uh, says Revelation is a call to have faith in God um, rather than empire, no matter the cost. Okay, so I'm going to share a few key themes. How are we doing on time, Leanne? A couple minutes, two minutes, perfect. Um, A couple kind of key themes for understanding revelation again these go into into more depth in the book the book is written really in the hopes that lay folks can read it and understand it and get something out of it Um, it has been used for bible studies and small groups it's really good in that context Uh, we don't go deep into like the interpretations of greek and those sorts of things so so this is really the framework then that we use or that i use in the book Starting with, we are not the intended audience. Revelation is not written for Wes or Ashley or Lisa or your congregants. It's written for folks in 90, uh, who, 90 CE who are trying to make sense of the world as they are being quite often killed, right? Or, um, uh, you know, oppressed in various ways. And what does, what does, what does God have to say to um you know, largely poor people in that instance. Okay, so so the second thing is that there are essentially two religions. Revelation says that if you kind of pull Revelation apart, what you essentially get is that Rome, the beast, is operating like its own religion. There is a religion of empire. All empires have their own sort of ideologies and function like religions, right? And so Revelation is trying to expose 
the religion of empire, which tries to go about as though it's the religion of God, right? So, so you have the religion of empire, um, most notably wrapped up in the metaphor of the beast. And then you have the religion of the lamb that was slain. And the lamb that was slain is the key metaphor for all of Revelation. It, it is the, the, the phrase that is used the most. It's used 28 times in Revelation. And it's almost like the, 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 the author knows that if you don't remember anything else from the book of Revelation, remember the image of the lamb that was slain. And that should mark and shape your ethics, your Christian hermeneutics or imagination in this um, in your life together. So there's the religion of the lamb and the religion of empire. And these two things are in conflict with one another because they are so opposite. And then um, the last kind of piece I'll share is that there's essentially four contrasting practices in Revelation. And I talk about in the book where empire uses scapegoating in order to create its own sort of social boundaries. And the lamb uses the practice of nonviolence and kind of this, this sense of like um, building community without the need of scapegoating others. Um, empire is based off of uh, what I call sort of beastly economics or an economic system that oppresses folks. And Revelation talks about and challenges that as as an economics that is, goes against God. And so what does it mean to center the poor? Um, the sort of us versus them versus the image of the multitude, which is uh, all from people from all nations and all languages who are coming together. Um, and in the multitude, there is a centering of the victims of empire. Um, so that is happens in chapter uh, seven of Revelation and talk about that in the book. And then lastly, um, this idea that the religion of empire has its own liturgies, its own ceremonies, its own rituals to shape people and their imaginations. And the lamb has his own liturgies of resistance. And what does it look like to parse those two types of liturgy out? That's it. All right, relevant to the current moment, let me just say. <laughs> yes, indeed.